Thanks for checking out the Oasis Church podcast from Camden, Arkansas. Each week we share the message from our Sunday worship service. Join us anytime. More information at camdenoasischurch.com. There's a new television show out. It's been out for a little while. It's called This Is Us. Anybody watched it? Any, anybody? Now listen, it, it's, it's, rumor has it, if you need a good cry, you need to watch this show. Now I just want you to know, men, I haven't watched it. I want you to judge me. I don't want you to think anything less of me. I haven't seen This Is Us, but I did do a little bit of Googling. I called a friend or two to give me a little advice about this show, and, and I did a little bit of Wikipedia, and I watched a trailer or two. Uh, but one of the things that I think was so interesting about kind of the, the gist behind this television show is if you hadn't seen it, if you hadn't watched it, um, if you have, don't judge me on what I'm about to say. I think it's right, but it's probably wrong. Uh, but there was this couple, and they were going to have triplets. And, uh, man, they were excited as kind of everything went along. They went into labor, and they lost one of the babies. And while they lost one of the babies, they were at the hospital. Somebody had dropped off another, um, another baby at the hospital. And um, they were already planning on taking home three kids. So they talked with the people and said, hey, can we just... Can we bring this other one home with us? They adopted a third child, the, the third child, into their family. And, and this video, this show is all about it, kind of goes back and forth between the two. It shows them when they were young, and then it shows them how they are today. And then one of the things that I, I love about this is that the, the, the main character, I say the main character, one of the main characters is a guy by the name of Jack. He's the dad of the triplets. He's an ordinary-looking man, kind of skinny, dark hair with a pretty nice mustache, but he always has this way of, of, of taking events that are kind of on the bad side, the negative side, things that aren't going real well, and he has this way of always turning them into something good. What's so interesting is you get to see them flash back to when they were young, to the present time today, and you get to see how this dad made a huge impact in their lives. Their dad instilled values in them when they were young. Now it affects them as they have grown older. And you get to see this all played out by what the dad taught and said. If you've ever been to Chick-fil-A before, I don't know if you know this or not, but um, it's the Lord's house. It's the Lord's restaurant. It's the place that God loves to go. It's Chick-fil-A. It's heavenly chicken. Like if you go there and you buy chicken, you don't even have to tithe the next week. Like God just blesses it. It's and it's so good. But I, I didn't know this. Chick-fil-A has values that they want their employees, their workers to live out. Now, I'm going to read these and you just tell me if you're like, yep, I can see that there. The first one is this. The customer is first. W- would you agree with that statement? Oh, man, is it ever? Like, like when you come, like they will double check and recheck to make sure you are happy. Have you ever realized you can go to McDonald's and you got to pay like $14 for two extra packets of ketchup? But Chick-fil-A will give you an abundance of them. Its customer always comes first. The other one that they have is personal excellence. They want all of their team, all of their employees, they want to drive them to personal excellence. The other one is this. It's continuous improvements. I I would say this, and I will argue with you if you want to. I I believe Chick-fil-A functions better than the government does. Have you seen them? They can go through a line of about 23 cars in about two minutes. If you go to McDonald's and there's two cars in line, you've got about an hour and a half to two hour delay and a wait just to get your food. I mean, they strive on this continuous improvements. They believe in working together. They believe in in stewardship. And you see this played out when you go there. One of the things I've told our directors a couple different times is, hey, listen, I want us to be the Chick-fil-A of churches. I want when people come to the door, man, they feel like they've been blessed. If we need to start saying bless you or whatever it is, have a good day. Hey, that's what I want to be. Like when you leave Chick-fil-A, there's this sense of this like, 
But that was a good experience. When you leave McDonald's, you're frustrated. So I said, I don't want to be McDonald's. I want us to be Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A has good values. Hey, the Sheets family, I don't know if you know this or not. I'll tell you a little bit of a secret on us. Well, we have values that we're trying to teach our kids. I heard a pastor a long time ago. He made this quote, and it was so good that I thought, like, I'm just going to steal that and say it's mine and just create this own thing that I have. Uh, but in our family, we have a little motto, a quote that we tell our boys. Now, they don't get it. Now, let me just say that. Don't judge us yet. They, they hadn't wrapped their mind fully all the way around it, but these are the values that we're wanting to instill in them. But we had this little saying, we're sheets, we're honest, we're kind, and we're encouraging. Those are the three things that I think if we could really drive into our children, um, that along with other things, that man, it'll make a big difference in their life. Honesty is a big thing in our family. We don't want our boys to be honest. We don't want them to ever have to come and try to lie to us about anything. So we want to instill that in them. Hey, we want them to be kind, be nice to other people. And there's a bunch of jerks in the world. And if we can raise up two boys that are just kind to one another, hey, I think we've done a good thing. We want them to be encouraging. We want them to lift other people up. Now, again, let me say this. If you go talk to them and you watch them, they're probably not going to do any of that today. But we're hoping years down the road that this will begin to really kind of sit in and all of a sudden they'll start to, to live it out. We're kind, honest, kind, and encouraging. I, I love what John Maxwell said about um, values. He said this, just as personal values influence and guide an individual's behavior, organizational values influence and guide the team's behavior. This morning, we're kicking off a new series and we're talking about core values. And I want you to know that, man, they are extremely important to us, not just for the individual or even for the business, but also for the church because they determine who and what the church will become. Our values, they communicate what's important to us and what we, what we believe God's desire is for our church. These are the things that we are most passionate about. I want you to know that our values are biblical. They line up with scripture. You'll find them in the Old Testament and the New Testament. You might not find them word for word, but I promise you the principle and the thought process of them is there. Our values that we have as a church, man, they affect our church behavior. They determine the direction of our ministries. They dictate um, almost every decision that we make, every dollar we spend, the risk we take, and the goals we set. And that's why we think it's important that we take the next three weeks and we walk with you through our core values. If you're like, Billy, what are our core values? Well, I want to give them to you. They're three easy, small little words. Um, They're these things. These are the things that we want you to live out on a daily basis. We want you to connect, grow, and go. Over the next three weeks, we're going to walk through that. We're going to show with them today. We're talking about this word, connect. But I want to do it in such a way that, that, um, that when you leave here today, it's not just a not informational, but I hope we can drive this thing home where we try to be transformational with it. It's this word connect. Would you pray with me? And I want to open up with a story. Father, we come to you today and, and we're talking about this thing called core values. And um, but, man, on the surface, it's not that exciting. It's not that, and it's not that bubbly like we had in the Psalms 1 study. But Father, as we walk through this and as we begin to live out these principles in our life, Father, they have the potential to change every aspect of our life. So, Father, I pray that again, as I pray every Sunday, I just pray that we find ourselves in your story and we bring our lives in line line with your word. Love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I read a story this weekend about a guy who was going back to his his 40-year high school reunion. Almost four decades, he had been gone from the place he had called home. 
as the time was getting just a little bit closer for the reunion, the more excited this guy became. He started thinking about all the amazing stories that he was going to hear, uh, maybe the changes and accomplishments of his old classmates. And one night he decided, like, I'm going to pull out my old yearbook. I'm going to look through there, and I'm going to read all the different things that we wrote in the back of it. We're going to just try to find out hey, what everybody said. And so he started reminiscing, and he started looking about that, and, and he wondered what old number 86, one of his good football team players, had done with his life. He was curious if any of his other friends had encountered Christ in the way that he had. Had they placed their faith and trust in him? Had God just radically changed their lives? Like, was that a possibility? He tried to guess what some of his friends were even going to look like, what jobs they might have, how many even kids they might have. Well, the big day finally came and arrived. And a good friend of his came, picked him up, carried him to the airport. And this man's excitement was almost contagious. Like, he could just tell, like, he was so excited about going home and seeing everything play out. Well, they drove to the airport and uh, he, he told the guy, he said, look, I'm going to pick you up Sunday. And when you, when you get in the car, man, I want you to tell me anything and everything that happened. I hope you, ha- hope you have a good time. And the guy left. Well, a couple days passed by. The big day finally arrived. Sunday came and um, the guy pulled up at the airport and he saw him get off the plane, but he noticed that when his friend walked off the plane, it was just kind of downcast. He tell he was discouraged. His head was kind of hanging low. His friend got in the car and man, he didn't say hardly anything. He wanted to ask, but he could tell something happened and he didn't know if he should. Finally, he said, well, I need to ask, how was the reunion? The man said this. He said, it was one of the most saddest experiences of my entire life. Are you kidding me? What happened? You listening, church? He said this. It wasn't what happened that I'm bothered by, but it's what didn't happen. It's been 40 years, almost four decades, and they haven't changed a bit. They've gained weight, they've changed clothes, gotten jobs, but they haven't really changed. For reasons I can't fully understand, it it, it seems as though some people choose not to change. You know, I think there are a lot of people today that have a real big misunderstanding about God. There are a lot of people, and I even think that there's some men in this room, men and women in this room today, um, that you have a big misunderstanding about God. I want to say this, and I want you to give me a little bit of time to explain it. I, I think there are some of you, you firmly believe that the Bible says that God planned you. Before the foundations of the earth was ever laid, before the foundations of the earth ever came to be, God planned you. He thought about you. He knew you. And if you believe that, then you're exactly right. The Bible talks a lot about it in Ephesians chapter 1-4. You can find it in a lot of different scriptures. There are others of you in this room that you believe that God has a purpose for your life. You believe that God has a plan for your life. And if you believe that, I want you to know that that's just as true as well. Throughout the entire Old Testament and New Testament, we found this, this ideal that God has a purpose and a plan for your life and for my life. But here comes the tension, because here's what happens. Somewhere along the way, in our minds, we think that since God has a plan for my life, 
And since God has a purpose for my life, and because it was laid out before the foundations of the world ever came to be, before I ever breathed my first breath, that God laid all of this stuff out before he ever even thought about me, before anything else ever happened, if all of that's true, that God has a purpose and a plan, and it's all laid out, it's all set in stone, then obviously there's no choice in it for me. And the Bible teaches us the exact opposite of that. And I want you to hear me this morning. I want you to know that God has a purpose for your life. He has a plan for your life. But I don't want you to miss this, church. It doesn't just happen. It's not automatic. And I want you to know this. You can flat out miss it. One of the things we talked a lot about this in this past series through Psalms 1. God isn't going to make you walk down a path. He's going to let you, he's going to allow you to choose. You get to make the decision. You get to make the choice on what path they're going to walk down. And that one decision leads a lot of people to live out their entire existence, simply wasting their lives, all because they don't understand that his plan and his purpose for your life, listen to me, it has to be chosen. And that's why Psalms 1 was so important for us. We kind of come back to that. God gives you the choice to accept his plan and purpose or to reject his plan and purpose. God gives you the choice to obey or disobey his directions. He gives you the choice to follow or ignore the purpose that you were created for. And again, I need you to hear me on this. It's your choice. Man, I want to show you this in scripture. Our today is a lot less on the values, but it's more on this ideal that, man, you have to see this. In the Old Testament, Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt after 400 years of slavery, and he led them into the desert, and he told them this one thing. Hey, we're getting ready to go into this place that God has promised us. Man, it's an incredible place. It's a land flown with milk and honey. It's a bountiful land. The Bible calls it the promised land. But know this, it wasn't automatic. They weren't just going to arrive there one day. There was this process that they were going to go for. But I want you to see what God said through Moses. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 15. It's going to be up on the screen for you to follow along. If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn there. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 15. I want you to see this play out in Scripture. It says this, See, I have said before you today, life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I commanded you to today, listen to this, by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways, and by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules, comes a big word, then you shall live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. Hey, man, it was almost subtle, but did you see it? God comes and he gives them choices. You can choose to accept them or you can choose to reject them. But if you obey him, if you follow him, if you, you'll start to live your best life. Listen to me, it's a promise that's not only given to them, but God gives us that same promise as well. And God has come and he is telling us today, if you'll love me, if you'll obey my word, if you'll listen to me, if you'll follow me, if you'll live the way I've told you, if you'll do these things, you'll be successful and blessed in life. But it's not the successful and blessed by the world standards. It's by God's standards. Man, as your, as your pastor who loves you, hey, listen to me today. And this is what I want for you. Man, I want you to succeed in life. I want you to be blessed in life. I don't want you to fail I want you to succeed as a man and as a woman. Hey, if you're married here today, I want you to succeed as a husband and a wife. 
If you have children, I want you to succeed as a, as a parent. But watch me. It's all up to you. And I gave a quote a couple weeks ago that, or posted last night on Facebook. I don't remember who said it, but I thought it was so good. They said this, you're born looking like your parents, but you die looking like your choices. You were born looking like your parents, but you die looking like your choices. And Oasis family, I want you to hear what I'm about to tell you. God says, if you do these things, if you chase after me, if you follow me, you'll be successful. But listen to what happens in verse 17 if you reject them. But if your heart turns away and you will not hear, but you're drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. Listen to this word right here. You shall not live long in the land you're going over the Jordan to enter and possess. In other words, you lose the very thing that I had planned for your life. Can I say that one more time? You lose the very thing that I have planned for your life. Some of you are thinking, Billy, why are we so intense right now? Like, I thought we were talking about core values. We're, we're on the other side of it. Here's what I want you to know. Our core values to connect, grow, and go, hey, we believe in them so much because they drive you. They're meant to drive you closer to the Creator. They're meant to drive you deeper into your relationship with Jesus Christ. They're meant to take you down a path that begins to grow you into the person God ultimately created you to be. This life that he has planned for you, hey, if we can connect you, grow you, and go you, hey, you're going to start looking like the person he's always wanted you to look like. But it's a choice that you have to choose. You have to be intentional about it. It's purposeful. So here's where we come off the heaviness and we get into the lightheartedness. I just want you to know that as our first desire is we want you to connect. Our our primary concern for you at Oasis is for you and I to connect with God and to connect with people. So when it comes to to connecting, it's connect with people and we want you to connect um, with God. So why is it so important for us to connect with others? Can Can I tell you a story? I hope you'll laugh at me just a little bit here so we can lighten the mood just a little bit. Anybody ever been cliff jumping before? climbed up a rock and jumped off into the water. Anybody? Lord Jesus, please, we have one. Oh, come on, men. I'm j- thank you, thank you. I, there, I was worried. I'm think- oh, Women, women, any, any girls jumped off a cliff? Thank you so much. I was like, man, we're just going to skip this one. Years ago, we went to Oklahoma, and it was a birthday weekend. We had a bunch of our friends and cousins were all together, and uh, we met up in Oklahoma to spend just a whole weekend uh, just playing on the lake, tubing, wakeboarding, wake skating. And um, I'll never forget, day one came, we stayed out there all day, man, had just a good time. Well, at the end of the day, uh, one of our friends overheard that there was a place in Oklahoma that you could drive to and you could jump off a cliff into the water. Now, now, let me just say this. I want you to know about your pastor. I'm not scared of heights. You hear me? I ain't scared of heights. I just prefer not to jump to my death and end in a watery grave. Like there's a big difference in the two. We can go up in a scissor lift. I'm fine. I just, it, it just makes no sense to me to jump off of a rock, hit the water at like 300 miles per hour and die. Like I just, I, I don't, it, it just, it's uncomfortable. But I'm a man, so I wouldn't fix and argue about this. I was fixing to go along with it because I wouldn't fit to put myself out there like Billy's the big chicken of the day. So man, we talked about it, like, whoo, that's a good idea. And I was like, whoo, 
Man, and all of a sudden, my anxiety level started to build all night long. I couldn't enjoy myself because I'm thinking, oh, this is it. This is how it ends for me. I jump off a cliff, and that's it. The next morning, we got up, we ate breakfast, we jumped in the boats and jet skis, and man, we just took off. Church family, I kid you not, we rounded this corner, and there was the Mount Everest of cliffs. And my heart is just sinking more. So, man, we come around the corner, we park about two, maybe 300 feet off of it a little bit. Uh, th- th- that way we can jump. A buddy of mine turns on the depth finder. It's like 953 feet deep. Probably a little exaggeration, but it wasn't far, which simply means that once you go down, they don't find your body. Like, th- this, is, this is how it all ends. So here was the plan that we were going to do. We were going to swim, climb, and then jump. That, that, that was the gist of it. So, man, all the, I think the girls stayed in the boat. Uh, I know they came with us. So we all swam out there. We started going up the, the, the sheer cliff of Everest. Like the air started to thin a little bit, like we needed the oxygen mask. But from the boat, it looked like this might have been 10, maybe 15 feet. Like this is child's play. As we started to climb that thing, I'm like, oh, we're getting on up here. Now, I want you to know that, that um, if there's ever a, a place where I'm not, um, I'm not good at, like it's not my environment, I've learned that it's a whole lot easier for Billy just to go first. So here's the thing. I'll just tell this little secret on me. I'm not a good prayer. Like, like I'll pray with you about anything and everything, but I'm not a good prayer. So when we go over here and we have our, our, our Sunday morning kind of walk through, um, I always, <clears throat> I always want to go first. And that's only because I'm not a good prayer. Because if you're last, everybody judge your prayer because that's what we closed out on. So if I'm first, man, I can just scoot by and then nobody's thinking about Billy. When we go meet up with some like some of our like like our pastor's prayer meeting, everybody's like, Billy, why are you going first? I'm like, have you heard the rest of you how you pray? Like, man, mine's just down here, y'all's is up here. If I'm last, everybody's judging me. So here's my thing. If I'm not good at something, I go first. And I know as I'm climbing up here, Billy, you better go within the first two or you ain't gonna make it. So man, we climb up there, we're all up there. My cousin, man, he's just one of those people that's just good at everything. We're like, what are you going to do? And he's like, I'm going to swan dive off of it. I'm like, that's dumb. That dude did a swan dive off of it. And the water, like when you hit, it just like, that was it. Like it, it was like, can't stand that guy. And then another guy went. But here was what was so funny. After he jumped, everybody was a little bit nervous. So we all kind of had to motivate one another. It was just kind of the pep rally up on top of the mountain. Like, hey, you got this, you got this. What are you going to do? Like, I'm just trying to stay alive. So all of a sudden, I get to the cliff. Like, I think Marley goes, everybody else. And she's like, you can do it. And I'm like, man, I'm a little worried if I don't do this. Is my marriage on the line? Like, is this the deal where she says, if you can't jump off a cliff, I'm done with you? Like, is there a line here? So I get up there, and all of a sudden, I'm standing on this cliff, and I jump. And I'm telling you, it sounds like I'm going 400 miles an hour. And it's like, oh, at the very bottom of it. My arms are red underneath here, like it just from the impact. And I'm like, I'll never have to do it again. Everybody, all the guys, girls swim back to the boat. The guys start to swim right back over there. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? I mean, I don't want to go back up, but I ain't a punk. I want you to think less of me. So here I go. I swim back over there. While we were there, um, uh, there, there were some other people that already came. They jumped, and we'd watched them. And, uh, but this other boat drove up. It was a dad and a wife and a daughter, teenage daughter. It's important to the story. So we pull up, and we're all climbing up there, and we're all guys are up there just kind of talking and chit-chatting. And you hear down in this boat, this, this, this mom and daughter, listen, they ain't being very helpful to, to their husband and dad. They're like, oh, you ain't going to jump. 
you ain't going to jump just, just talking about him. And finally, he gets out of the boat, and you know it's begrudgingly. He didn't want to do it. So he swims over, and by the time he's on his way up, my cousin already jumps, another friend of ours, ours already jumped, and it's just me and him up here. And when this boy gets to the top, he is white-knuckled. Listen, I'm scared to death, but he's at a whole nother level. And he's up there. Now, listen, I made a mistake. I should have stayed at the top with him. I should have helped him out, but I didn't. I went ahead and jumped because if he didn't jump, I didn't jump, and I wasn't fixing to walk back down. So I get to the edge, I jump, and here is this lone survivor on top of Mount Everest. Now, we're all at the boat, and you could tell this thing's kind of playing out. We're just all just sitting back just watching the show. And all of a sudden, you hear some things come from the boat. Now, listen, they weren't real good things at all. I think the mama dollar one of them said, hey, um, you can do it. And he says, I don't want to. And then uh, he said, what's your other plan? And he says, to crawl back down. And uh, we're watching this unfold, and this guy just, I mean, they're constantly revving this guy up back and forth. And finally, you see this head go down, and then all of a sudden, he starts walking back down this mountain. And then we did what, what, what anybody would do. We started to make fun of him. We started to boo him. Um, I didn't. I'm a pastor. I don't boo people. We were like, hey, Jesus loves you. We love you. Your wife and kids, they don't love you anymore. Um, and he came all the way back down, swam the boat, and they turned back around and left. And here's what I thought about all week long. I'll tell you that story. I, 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 I thought about this all week long. How in the world were our two situations completely different? Like, why was one of us jumping and the other one wasn't? And here's what I, I've come to grips with, especially as we want to connect you with other people. I, I want you to know this. You and I, we are just better together. Are we not? We are better together. We can do more, we can conquer more, we can go further when you and I, when we come and we get together and we work through things. Listen to what the Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toll, for if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, he has no other to lift him up. Again, if two lie down together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. I want you to hear me this morning. The scriptures are packed full of this ideal that we are better together. But the truth is, this goes against everything our culture tells us, does it not? As Americans, we idolize our independence. I mean, we love the ideal of being complete completely and totally independent. You see this through all aspects of life. When you've got little kids, three and four years old, they want to do everything themselves, do they not? Oh, I can do it. Let me, let me. You get to teenage years, and we all know teenagers, they want to be independent. They want to do their own thing. Uh, we, we, you even see this into adulthood. When, when you get uh, uh, somebody that's a little bit older, when they start to realize that I can't be independent anymore, I have to rely on, on, on other people, man, you just see this kind of change in their life. We love the feeling of being independent, and yet God said the key to happiness, the key for us moving forward, listen to me, is not independence, but it's interdependence. Hey, we need each other. You need community in your life. Listen to what the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 4, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and, and, and we all belong to each other. One body in Christ, we belong to each other. Hey, we need each other. I want to tell you, I am who I am today, not because of self-reliance, not because of this attitude that I can do it all by myself and I can do it all alone and I don't, I don't need anybody else. I am who I am today because I have a group of men, I have a group of pastors, and I have some friends and family members in my life who have invested in me, they have encouraged me, they have taught me, and they have corrected me. 
I just want you to know the same is true for you as well. And you need other people in your life, especially if you want to become the person God wants you to be. I'm going to make this statement, and I don't know if it's right or if it's wrong, but I think it is. I would say this. You cannot fulfill the purpose God has for you by yourself. I don't think that you can fulfill everything that God wants to fulfill in your life with you being a lone ranger doing life all by yourself. There's no way that you can be all that God wants you to be and do all God wants you to do all by yourself. So the question for us today is why? Why do, why do we need each other? Why do we need community? Why do we need to connect? Well, the first one is this. But we need others to walk with us. You need people in your life that are going to walk with you. Man, I don't know if you've realized this, but the world we're living in and the journey we're going through, it's probably one of the most extremely difficult journeys that we'll all experience. Man, this life is terrible and hard and uphill most of the way. And yet the Bible tells us, gives us good wisdom in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, bear one another's burdens. So fulfill the law of Christ. I think the other reason we, we want to connect with other people is it's supportive. And here's what I mean by that. It greatly increases your odds of pressing onward and upward. Several years ago, I ran a 5K only once. Probably won't be doing that again. And um, if you run with me, you just need to be prepared to walk a lot. Like that's just my rule. I go for a run, but I walk a whole lot. And I'll never forget, man, I started out real well. Mile one and two, man, just knocked them out. Mile three, man, it just got me, the last little bit of it. Uh, So I'd already kind of just started kind of walking fast paced, mall walking. And and there was this older gentleman. And here's, he would come beside me. He he would get up to where we are and he would do this. Come on. So man, I'm like, okay, I'd run ahead of him, probably about 50 foot and I'd start walking again. And here he comes running right beside me. He'd be like, hey, come on. And man, we did, we did this for the rest of the mile and he helped me the whole way. After that race was done, I went and found him. I said, hey, listen, I just want to say thank you for, for helping me and encouraging me and kind of bringing me along. Man, if you have other people in your life with you, doing life with you, they can support you, they can encourage you to press on to stay focused on what's ahead. There's an old proverb, I'm sure that you heard it before. Those who run alone, man, you can run fast. But those who run together, you run far. But why is connecting with other people so important? If you want to make it to the very end of this life the way God wants you to, you need to have community and you need to have friends and you need to have other people that are involved in your life. You need to have these people that can encourage you and carry you, friends that are going to hold you accountable and correct you. Because you and I, we are better together. How do we do that here at Oasis? Well, we do it a lot of different ways. I'll give you three. We want you to connect here on a Sunday morning. We come and worship. Man, we want you to meet new people. We want you to start interacting with one another. That's a good way, but it's not the best way. One of the best ways is for you to get plugged into one of our small groups. We meet every Wednesday at 6.30 for you to come and get involved and sit at a table. And I can tell you this, like a lot of the people that we sit at our tables, hey, it's comforting to know that I can make it through the week, that I got other people that are praying for me. If something happens, we send a text, say, hey, man, this right now is going on. Hey, somebody gets sick, we try to take care of them. In those circles over there, hey, that's where community is found. Man, it's important to us. I'll tell you the other way that we want to see here at our church is it's through serving. We want you to get plugged into a ministry because if you've got a connection in there where small groups and then you've got another connection where you're serving in children's ministry or hospitality team or the generosity team, hey, that's introducing you to a completely different circle and you're going to meet new people. Hey, we think it is important that we connect other people to people. 
So I just want you to know that if you're a loner here, you like to come in and leave and not get plugged in, man, you'll never be all that God wants you to be doing that. But the more you get plugged in, the more you have these relationships and these connections, man, you're going to start to grow in ways that you never imagined. Connecting is important. So not only do we want to connect you with other people, but our main desire, our heartbeat is to connect a people with God. We might do a lot of other things in life, but none of them are as important as this one. And I want to talk to two different individual people here today because I think there are some people in this room that, that, that you've never placed your faith and trust in Christ. You've you never given your life to him. You've never chosen him. Man, you're just kind of living for you. And I just want you to hear me just for a moment. We do a lot of things at this church, but our most important moment of our life, of this church, is to connect you and your relationship with Jesus Christ. At the end of the day, our greatest problem is that we have a sin problem. And this sin has alienated us from a holy God. You see, when sin entered the world, the book of Genesis, there became a relational rift between God and all of humanity. I want you to listen to what the Bible says in Romans 5, 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man. And death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. Another great verse is Romans three twenty three. For all have sinned. For everybody sitting in this room, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And because we've all sinned and fallen short, there is nothing that you and I can do to fix that rift. Hear me today. There's no amount of good works or deeds or church attendance or even your family faith that can bring you into a right relationship with God. So in that moment you and I are eternally separated from God. Well, almost. You see, God didn't leave it that way. One of the most well-known verses that all of us know here is John 3.16. For God so loved the world. For God so loved you. For God so loved me that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And the Bible tells us that there is only one way to bridge the separation between us and God and our sin problem. And listen to me, it's not in what you do, but it's in what Christ has already done. There's a good good quote that you probably heard over and over. Jesus came to pay a debt that he did not owe because we owed a debt that we could not pay. When you and I, when we place our faith in the fact that He paid the penalty for our sin by dying in our place. We are what the Bible calls born again. And we become children of God. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 9, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. In that moment, you become connected to God through faith in Christ and And nothing in this life is more important than that one decision. So I need to ask you here this morning, have you made that decision? Have you trusted Christ as your Savior? Not church attendance, not family faith, but was there a moment in your life where you trusted him? Man, I want you to hear me. It's your choice. God has paid the way. And I believe for some of us, he's standing at the door and he's knocking, but he will not force you through that door. But it's there. 
And I'd encourage you, if you've never placed your faith and trust in Christ, would you do that today? And we'd love to share with you from God's word how that can come to be. It's about salvation. But I want to talk to you believers here today. I want you to know that connecting to God isn't just a one and done event. It's not I did it a long time ago and nothing ever happens after that. I want you to hear me. Man, it's an ongoing lifestyle. If you aren't connecting with God on an ongoing basis, your relationship with him will never be what it's meant to be. Hey, listen to me and tell me if I'm wrong. After a while, you'll start to drift away. And then all of a sudden, this this relationship, church, your, your relationship with him becomes bland, boring, and burdensome. And I believe that's why so many Christians here today, man, we come across today as miserable. Because we've stopped connecting with God on a daily basis. Our relationship with Christ is a lot like any other relationship. They all require constant and continual attention and communication. Our relationship with him is meant to be living and active and growing and thriving. So are you connecting with him on a daily basis? Hey, I want to give you one thing that that, that I think that will help you connect more and more. And it's this thing called talk with God and hear from God. When I say talk with God, it's this thing called prayer. It's the act of expressing our heart and mind directly to God by letting him know what's going on in our life. But I think the struggle for many of us here today is from time to time, there, there are moments when we don't hear from God. And in any relationship, if you rarely hear from someone, your motivation to talk with them always becomes less. I believe what's happening in a lot of our prayer lives today is we talk to God. We visit with him, but we rarely hear from God. And I want you to know that God is able to speak to us through a lot of different ways, through nature, through dreams, through, through other people. But, but those are all secondary. God's primary means, which he loves to communicate, is through his word. It's a book called the Bible. It's a living book. And it's all, it always has something to say because God is always wanting to speak. So it's talk with God. Pray with him. And then make sure you are taking time to open your word. And spend time and let him speak to you out of his word. Hey man, we're intentional about this. We want you to hear from God. We want to do it corporately. We want to come here on Sunday mornings and we want to hear from him. God speaks. We tell you every Sunday that God is going to be moving and stirring in your heart. You need to get ready to respond accordingly. You hear from God in, in our small groups. And that's where we begin to grow together. But one of the best ways for God to be able to, to speak to you, to grow you, is through your own personal Bible study time and devotion and you getting in the Word. So God, speak to him. Connect. Connect with people and connect with God. I'm interested. What, what, what is God stirring in your heart? Hey, let me ask you, you might be here today and you've never came into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe he's saying, hey, that is, that's what I'm pulling you here today. And I want you to connect with me. And I'd love to share with you from God's word. Now, man, today you can enter into a relationship with Christ and we will celebrate you when that happens. Maybe God's wanting you to connect more with other people. You're just kind of a, a lone ranger. You come in, you leave, and you don't have any relationships with anybody in here. Hey, man, we want you to connect. Man, hang around and visit. Come join us on a Wednesday night at 630. Man, get into a group and start serving. Meet other people. Man, we desire to connect you with God. Man, we want you to grow in your relationship. I'll tell you this. My motto in life is not to grow a big church, but to grow big people. Because if you grow as a person, every area of your life begins to grow.